episode 39 of the McSauce Comical Podcast. My name is Paul Hal Jordan McGinty. With me are Ian John Stewart Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Kyle Rayner Casal. Hello. Tonight we're going to talk Green Lantern. All things Green Lantern. Not just Hal Jordan, but the entire mythology. This is not a joke topic, by the way. We really are going to do this. And Paul didn't bring this up. I brought it up, so don't send your negative fan mail to Paul. Just enjoy this one. You're going to learn a lot tonight. But before we get into Green Lantern, we're going to do housekeeping, and we're also going to talk a little new Star Wars news. Ian, take us away. In brightest day and darkest night, if you need entertainment, visit our website. <laughs> oh Exhaust, I know, right? I thought it was oh it was a jewel that I thought <laughs> up earlier today. File. Go to McSauce.com, check out the reviews, the strips, and this lovely podcast. Go to Facebook.com, like us, give us some of your feedback. I'm sure there are things that you want us to talk about. If you don't want to hear about Green Lantern, that's fine. Just suggest something to us. While you're in the iTunes store, because I'm sure that you're downloading it from there, write us a review. Tell us how great we are. Tell us how shitty we are, but make sure that it's shitty disguised with... Five stars. That Compliment sandwich. Yes. Yes. You can also stream us on Podomatic or Stitcher Radio. So there are a lot of different ways that you can get this wonderful podcast. And uh, t- we're going to talk tonight about Green Lantern. Green Lantern's been involved in many comic book crossovers. Crossover that I liked this week was a podcast crossover. Oh, boy. Ryan McCormick and Tiffany Moore from A Fireside Chat and More Than You Can Chew sat down together and uh, talked a little bit about drug addiction. That's not some fun stuff that we talk about here in comic book (laughs) land, but I think that you'll be entertained by the kind of things that they brought to light. So go to A Fireside Chat. You can find it in the iTunes store. Uh, Go to his Facebook page. Let Ryan know what you think, as well as the lovely Tiffany Moore. Go to her Facebook page, as well as download it from iTunes. They both have shows on Libsing, so check them out and let them know that you heard it here at McSauce. But tonight, we're going to talk a little Green Lantern. We're going to go with a complete space theme. We're going to talk also a little Star Wars news. And when you need Star Wars news... You go to the source. Matt Cassell. Matt, let us know what's happening in the universe, in the galaxy, far, far away. Well, this is not real news so much as it is rumor, but hey, I think it's interesting. And uh, I think over the next two years, as we ramp up getting closer and closer to episode seven, which is my number one most anticipated movie in existence... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring you these tidbits, and um, to be perfectly honest, I think this is kind of the uh, inspiration for the show. Actually, I think um, Paul and I were talking about tidbits. Star- tidbits. This isn't a tidbit. No, I'm just. Kidding. So Paul and I were talking about Star Wars one day at work, and, and it started to get pretty. You okay there? Uh huh. Okay. And it started to get pretty... It looked like you were going to pull a tooth out of your face. Wouldn't that be crazy if I did? It looked like that's what you were about to do. Is it loose? Uh-uh. Okay. Just playing with it. Okay. 
does Paul teeth play? Play <laughs> his teeth. As Paul fondles his teeth. <laughs> um, I'm gonna tell you. Basically, Paul and I were having this conversation. Didn't involve you at all. Either. I was gonna say you were already talking shit on me, no. and I wasn't even. Existing. No, this, this was this was minutes before I said we should record this. This should be a podcast. And then I said, but we can have Ian come on board. That would be awesome. And that was kind of the whole thing. But it started out as Star Wars talk, which I believe was inspired by, was it the news of the the sequel trilogy? Is that accurate, Paul? Um, I don't I don't know. I thought just the our Disney general acquisition, work conversations maybe? about nerd stuff is what yeah, but I think, think it we was... should do this. It wasn't one specific topic. It was okay, just our... okay. I stand corrected. That was for me. I mean, maybe Star Wars may have sparked it for you, but just nerd stuff. Well, I think that particular conversation was Star Wars related, but we realized that we have a uh, wealth of useless knowledge that we can talk about for two hours a week. And even as we were sitting here before... Or an hour and 40 minutes a week. (laughs) Or an hour and 50 minutes, even though we promised you an hour and 40 minutes. Promises, promises. Even before... We started recording this episode. We were sitting here just talking about the Star Wars stuff, and we had to save it for the podcast. That's how our conversations go now. We we rarely talk about anything that we really, really, really like. Pizza break already? That cannot be. <laughs> that wow. has to be Jehovah's Witness. We'll check on it. We'll be back. Harry Krishna. Comic Book Podcast. Barely got out of housekeeping and it was time for pizza. Or was it subs and jalapeno bacon cheesy bread tonight? No one will ever know. Well, it was. So now everybody knows. Uh, we do a pizza count, but we didn't have pizza. Domino's was lickety split with the old order. Mm-hmm. Lickety split. That sounds filthy. It Lick, does. Lickety. You lick split. it so hard you split it. Into or was it already split in you then? Then you licky it. it. Then you licky it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is gross. And that means quick, right? Lickety split is quick. Right. So you're like lapping it up rapidly. You gotta get it. Man, I'm hot get now. Quick. I gotta take off my, <laughs> my hoodie. 
So Matt, tell us about this proposed new Star Wars news. All right, so it looks like, uh, as we know, Michael Arndt, the former, the guy that was tasked to take George Lucas's original outline for Episode Seven and write the script for it, was relieved of his writing duties. I think it was at some point during the summer, maybe August, but that news came out around October, end of October, somewhere in November, that he was relieved of his duties, and J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan were going to. kind of complete the writing responsibilities. Um, So as it turns out, there was news uh, within the last couple days that talked about how they they gave a reason for Arndt's departure. Uh, As it turns out, Arndt was writing the screenplay based on Lucas's outline, which was to have um, the offspring of Han and Leia and Luke be the central protagonists of the new movie. Um, and then Luke, Han, and Leia were going to have more of a, a supporting role. Well, J.J. Abrams didn't like that, and neither did Kathleen Kennedy, the now president of Lucasfilm. So, um, I don't know exactly at what point they decided to let Arndt go, but um, he got let go, and <clears throat> Lucas had been meeting with J.J. Uh, Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy about this, and J.J. Um, Abrams decided that he really felt like uh, in Episode 7, Han, Luke, and Leia should be the central characters, with the offspring being more secondary, and he felt like it would be nice <clears throat> to give the fans a proper send-off for the big three. Uh, I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if that means and then they kill them off or what. Or just then now they've become relegated more to a secondary kind of um, role. I can see the Millennium Falcon cruising on off into the horizon and then just get zapped. And it blows up. Blows up. And that's the send-off that we're all talking about. It, it, that we it, all goes, it goes flying off into the into the two the double sunset. Yes. So and this, then the new Death Star destroys it. Does this reopen the doors for Han Luke and Leia to be recast as younger actors? I don't think so. Alright, I'm I'm out then. Because I think if that were the case, this argument wouldn't have been happening. Like I think most fans want to see these real people, these real actors, reprise the roles. Otherwise, I don't think that it would be as big a deal, and I think the majority of people probably feel like, if it's not going to be Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, or Mark Hamill, it would just be better if they go with the offspring, or fast forward 100 years, or whatever. I'd be okay with them recasting. I actually think that I might like that. I might be might have a change of heart whenever it gets closer to that time. But as I st- as it stands right now, I think that they ha- would have more avenues to do a lot of different interesting things with a n- recasting of those characters. I've wanted that from the beginning. I think that would be a terrible decision. I respect your opinion. Oh, thank you. But I don't see the the point when you could just carry on with their offspring if it's really not them. But apparently. Um, George Lucas acquiesced and gave in and basically seems like J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan are going to get their way and 
um, Kathleen Kennedy. It was basically, I guess it... And their way point. is Han, Luke, and Leia being the main characters in the yes. first one. See, I, disag- I disagree with that. Because if you're setting it up so that the secondary characters can take over for the second movie, what happens if in that first movie the second the secondary characters flop and no and no one's interested right. and they don't have the same they don't have the same chemistry as as Han Luke and Leia then you're fucked because you've already committed to this game plan just start it out with these new characters you because Han Luke and Leia is the Obi Wan secondary what if characters. they fall flat though right off the bat that's true but at least you'll have a fighting chance with giving them the appropriate amount of time. You know, on the screen, whereas you're taking that chance by having them as second second fiddles to the the main three. It could happen either way. But. Uh, yeah, it could happen either way, but uh, I don't think either way it matters that much because the whoever is the secondary character, they're still going to be in like heavily involved in the storyline and everything. You know, they're going to be like you know the Obi Wan of A New Hope. And he had a lot of screen time and he was very relevant. But there was only one of them. True. Uh, I kind of have a feeling like I could see Princess Leia being, you know, Queen Organa in in the new movie and she's like now the Supreme Chancellor of the New Republic and... um, Luke is doing his whole Jedi thing, getting, like, all the Jedi Knights going, and, um, I don't really know what Han's gonna do. He's he's the stay-at-home dad. Stay-at-home dad. Take care of the kids and the grandkids, you know. But, um, I think, I think that, that, given the roles that these characters are gonna have, um, I don't think that they're gonna necessarily be overexposed and kind of ruined because of that the only thing that I feel is that I I hope that they don't deviate too much from Lucas's original storyline I mean I, I still want it to be his his outline I don't want them to just kind of be like well you know what it's ours now so fuck you George because that's what Disney does with its properties I'm nervous that that's what's happening um, you know, I'm comfortable with somebody else writing the story with, you know, a different director, which I think is going to benefit it, but you still have to have at the core of his original ideas. George Lucas is still involved. He's still pulling strings and he's still making decisions with these movies. He's not, until he's dead, he's going to have his fingers in the pie. Uh, he, he will, but it sounds like he is being overruled for what he wants in his original outline for it, it sounds like it's he's not getting his way. Hmm. I guess that's a good thing. Well, I mean, yeah, to I think a lot of cynical prequel haters, uh, yeah, it's probably a good thing. Um, I think, though, that um, if he was getting his way here, it would be a little bit more like his role in... Return of the Jedi and the Empire Strikes Back. Whereas now he's almost like... Now he's watching with us. A little bit, yeah. Now he's a fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I, I really hope that they can stay kind of true to his original outline. I mean, you know, I, I'm still pretty confident we're going to get a good movie either way. But um, 
I still kind of want it to be his. I mean, it's it's his concept, and and I do think that the prequels would have been better if different, like let's say Irvin Kershner had come back to direct episode two after you know Lucas did episode one. Um, I would be willing to bet my life we would have got a better movie if if that had happened. There's such a Given- layoff in between, you know movies that he directed before episode one and then after that i mean it, there's still a lot of you know learning curve that he had to experience to film the other two so i think that might have had something to do with maybe the, some of the reasons why fans didn't like them some fans mm-hmm. didn't like them as much as maybe they hoped they would mm-hmm. i still think that the story could have been okay but with a different director, man, I think we would have had a much better vibe, you know, and, and obviously a, a different screenwriter because the writing in um, episode two is is far and away the worst of all six movies. And that was the one that they brought in a, a screen, a, a script doctor to help polish up the script. Fail. Big fail. They should have had Brian Michael Bendis write some of those Ouch, lines no. of dialogue, some um, some mm, some you know fillers. That would have made it nice. So, and, so Anakin would have been making Miami Vice references. How badass would that have been? So, uh, okay, that was uh, that was you know a little bit of Star Wars rumor, um, although it's coming out in the Hollywood Reporter, which gives it a little bit more credibility than your typical internet rumor so maybe over the next week or so that'll be um corroborated somehow but uh the only other bit of news i think that's worthy of mentioning before we dive head first into ring first into the the green abyss is uh, the amazing spider-man number one coming in april it sounds to me like the return of peter parker in april which just happens to be, oh, I don't know, the month before The Amazing Spider-Man Part 2 in theaters comes out. That's correct, and there is no question from the teaser image that it will be Peter Parker. I think the banner on Marvel.com is something like, Peter Parker is coming back, or something like <clears throat> that. And then Dan Slott has since revealed, like, oh my god, I had to lie for a year and a half to everybody. And We still hate you and your shitty fucking writing, Dan. Don't hey, worry. Wait, wait, wait. You said you liked it. Enjoying. Yeah, 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 it's been okay. I'm, I'm been talking about his other shitty writing. Are you not... Are you, uh, you are a Dan Slott fan, are you not? I am not a Dan Slott fan, but I can say that his writing on Superior Spider-Man has been good. But I don't, I don't like any of his... Brand New Day stuff. I didn't like any of the... In any his Spider Island, recommended by Spider Tom Island. Lynch. That was rough. Not, not very good. But Did I tried you, to go in with an open mind. I just didn't like it. I just don't like the way he writes Spider-Man. I thought Big Time was okay. Uh, which one was that? This is the one where he got his job at the... At the research, um, research development factory. Honestly, I, I, I don't... Know that one? The lizard story wasn't half bad. What was it? Was the lizard and Rhino was in that one? And I think there was Mysterio. I Um, I read that one. That wasn't the worst, but still not one of my favorite Spider-Man writers. But I am excited that they're bringing back Peter Parker. 
Um, so I take back everything mean that I ever said about Dan Slott or all the death threats that I sent to his house. It would be nice if Zeb Wells, who was writing The Avenging Spider-Man, terrible title, by the way, but if he were writing it on a regular basis because he he was handicapped by having to shoehorn in different um, Avengers or different supporting cast members to have this crazy, bigger than... You know the the scope of just a single superhero in New York City. It did was, you think it was a handicap, or did you think that it was like old school Marvel team up? Because that's was, what I took it as, and I think he did well with it. I do too. Zeb Wells, right? Yeah, he, he's Zeb Wells did well. Zeb Wells did well. Yes, this is, this is terrible. <laughs> I think I'm going to buy that Amazing Spider-Man number one. Well, let's Start go Spider-Man books one. Peter Parker comes back. While I do like Mr. Ramos's work, I'm not too sure about this image. It kind of makes... It makes him look like he's nine. He's... Or he's like and on... insane. Yeah. His eyes are crossed, let's be honest. Yeah, they're going all over the place. And it is... It's not like ecstatic excitement or joy. It's just insanity. Yeah. Or possibly, you know, mental... Mental deficiency. He looks like he's on the spectrum or something. Aside like from he's, he's got problems. The facial expression. Humberto Ramos is at the top of his game right now. Um, he is drawing better than he ever has, and he's been drawing some good shit for you know the better part of twenty years, really. And uh, man, is that how long he's been in the game? Yeah, well. The first thing that I really remember him on was Crimson, when that came out from Image Comics in 97. Maybe it was 96. I think it was 97. And it was really good. It was the new cliffhanger imprint from Image Comics, where they launched Battle Chasers, Crimson, and Danger Girl. Battle Chasers was by Joe Matarera, Danger Girl by J. Scott Campbell, and Crimson Mm -hmm. by Humberto Ramos. And that was always kind of like the... The black sheep of the bunch, the one that people weren't quite as enthusiastic about because he, people just didn't know him. They, everybody knew Matarero from X Men. Everybody knew mm-hmm. J. Scott Campbell from Gem Thirteen. And um, as it turned out, not only was um, Crimson the longest running of the three, it was the best. It was the best read. He began his career in 1993 at Milestone. Milestone with Hardware. Oh, okay, I remember hardware. This uh, Amazing Spider-Man number one by Marcus Martin looks really fucking awesome. This, Why does it look awesome? I like the type treatment. I like the uh, the way that Spider-Man is... He's falling upwards <clears throat> into the city, I think, is a nice effect. And I like those colors. I like the, the gradiated, um, the, that yellow to blue. I think it's nice. Looks like Jesus on the cross with his arms out. Oh, I didn't even pick that up. Some subtle religious messaging. Well, now I hate being it. Being thrown into that cover. Is no, that the that's the new one that I said I will get. Yes, right? that's one. That's a variant. There's a, another um, I Jerome Apinia cover that I is pretty awesome. I have never bought uh, single issue Spider-Man comics. The hmm. only Spider-Man I've ever bought was the trades, the Amazing Trades. But I think it's. I think it's time. I I get in for a run, and this seems like as good a place as any to start with Peter Parker coming back. Yeah, I think that they could do some pretty some pretty decent work. So I'm excited to see how uh, 
how they're going to change around everything. I'm back on board. I'll be giving this one. Is this going to be uh, a monthly book, or is it still going to come out two to three times a month? Oh, please, let it be monthly. I don't see... If it's monthly, that means Humberto Ramos might actually be... We were just talking about last week. He might be that guy that gets to work on a book for... I don't know, a 12-issue, 24-issue run. That would be so cool. For six straight months. <laughs> like, isn't that pathetic that that's our bar now? Like, yeah. oh my god, if you can do six whole issues in a row. Writing and drawing for the trade. <laughs> but. So, he's coming back. We've been predicting it here on the McSauce Comic Book Podcast for... Well, since they killed him. Since they killed him. Re- and, and regardless of what Dan Slott was lying to all of you... We here knew the truth. I was in anger, angry denial. I thought that they had killed him off for good. Did you really? Thing. You could not have really thought that. I thought it was going to be for longer than just a year. I thought it was going to be for a while. Because I had that whole uh, conspiracy theory where they're going to sabotage the Spider-Man books. I don't know. You know, since, since I went into comics late and Hal Jordan was already dead... When I started reading comics. I don't know what I would have done. If I was balls deep into Green Lantern. When they killed Hal Jordan. Because that was a. Comics. Well they did something similar. You know he was a bad guy. And destroyed a bunch of shit. Then he redeemed himself a little bit. And then they killed him. Mm -hmm. And 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 he was dead for five, six, seven years. Somewhere around there. Then they made him the Spectre. But there was always the. The specter of Hal Jordan going around the the DCU, but Peter Parker's iconic, like Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne. They're not gonna keep those characters down for too long. But since there's so many other Green Lanterns, and since guys like John Stewart and Kyle Rayner get a lot of a lot of fandom, like pushing their names, wanting them to be the guy, like every year I'm. I'm on the edge of my seat about if Hal Jordan's going to keep his job or not. <laughs> and we're in this we're in this uh, day and age in comics where you know we really want to push minorities and we want more female characters and more ethnic characters. And Hal Jordan's whitey man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know they're not going to kill John Stewart. They can't. John Stewart's black. They're gonna they're gonna keep him around. The Lanterns have a very strict. Uh... Affirmative action policy, from what I've read. So it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, they can have as many alien lanterns as they want, but if they don't have a black Earth lantern, it's trouble. It doesn't count. And for a lot of people, he is the Green Lantern. Because a lot of a lot of people grew up with him on the cartoon. Well, the, that's the, the only Green Lantern they knew. The Guardians, the the Lantern Corps, they don't they. Implement the Rooney Rule when they bring on new lanterns. <laughs> they, they do. They, they have to interview one, one black, black guy lantern. for you know. As the rings flying around searching for new, new lantern, they have to interview one guy. Like, ah, oh, man, you know, you were great, but uh, we're gonna go with this other guy. The five Green Lanterns from one planet, all working at the same time. Drives me fucking crazy. Is that another unnecessary, we write a rule and then we are written into a corner thing that DC did with that? No, it's, you know, each, at at the time of each Green Lantern's introduction, there's a reason for it. 
they were having Hal Jordan quit the Corps, so someone had to take over, so it was Jon Stewart. And something happened with Jon Stewart, and Guy Gardner was the natural backup, so they wrote him in. Why was he the natural backup? Did What was Guy Gardner's um, backstory? He was a football player. I don't know. I don't know why, but he was like the res- he was the <coughs> Earth Reserve Green Lantern. And I think before John Stewart got it, something happened to Hal, and the ring went to Guy for a brief period of time. Then Hal recovered, got the ring back. Yeah. So eventually, they brought Guy Gardner in. Then Hal goes crazy, kills all the Green Lanterns, and there's none. And then Ganthet has one ring, and he gives it to Kyle Rayner. So for years, Kyle Rayner was the only Green Lantern. There wasn't a core. There weren't other alien Green Lanterns. There was just this one guy. But each character, Gardner, Jon Stewart, Kyle Rayner, they each developed these really strong fan bases. So if they kill any of them now or get rid of any of them, fans are going to riot. Because they have just as just as many guys pulling for them as, as Hal Jordan does, who's the original... Silver Age Green Lantern. And he's your... Uh, we're not, you know, speaking out of turn here saying that he's your favorite. Who's your second favorite Green Lantern? Do you have one or, you know, is it pretty much Hal Jordan all the time? You mean Earth Green Lantern? Any or Green Lantern. Any Green we're, Lantern. We're talking all Green Lanterns. <laughs> I'm not just going to do the narrow coordinates. Of, is it 2814? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 2814, the... Sector of space that Earth is located in, the I one that the, the Hal Jordan is charged with protecting. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have so much tunnel vision as not to expand it to all the other sectors. So, I'm gonna go with Kilowog as my second favorite Green Lantern. I've always liked Kilowog. I always, when he's not in a Green Lantern book, I'm like, why isn't this guy in here? He's he should be like the second in command. He should be the go-to guy. And they put him in the animated series, and it worked so well with the the characters of him and Hal, because Hal's the Han Solo fly-by-the-seat-of-his-pants guy, and, you know, Kilowog's the gruff, grumpier, more rigid of the two. And they played good cop, bad cop off each other so well. And that's nice to see in the books now, because that's one thing the current writer does well, is write those two characters. It's just everything else that he's not all that great at. <laughs> Matt, who's your favorite Green Lantern? Probably Kyle Rayner. I like that he's a comic book artist. I like you that have the same haircut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does he? Re- do we have the same haircut? Essentially. Yeah. When, in the nineties, he had kind of the. It kind of was no, longer right. in it. Well, he had the nineties haircut. That was the nineties It was standard issue, right? I may have had. That. <laughs> I didn't have it, but I was saying. I think I had that. In the 90s. Yeah, that was standard issue nineties haircut. But uh, since then, he's been he's been doing the black spiky for a long time now. Nice. Mm-hmm. I always liked that he was an artist too. It let whoever was drawing him really do some different things with his powering. I always thought that was kind of cornball. I it was a little it. too meta for me. That yeah, I was in, I was this star. comic book character is a comic book artist. Yeah, baby. yeah I, I know what you mean, um, but. To me, like, I've never been a big Green Lantern guy. Like, I haven't read a whole lot of stuff. But I did read when his girlfriend was killed. Mm. And mm, the Alex, Alex DeWitt. And she, was it just her head or was it her, her, whole her whole body was stuffed in the refrigerator? Yes. And he, the last... Back in the good old days when we could stuff a broad in the 
fridge and nobody would complain about it. And he he came home and he opened it up and the, the issue ends with that splash page of him finding that. And uh, that was powerful stuff. I didn't know that that was such a big, you know, sore spot for comic book fans until years and years after where I read that, you know, uh, putting female characters in a refrigerator was like a rallying cry for women in comic books. And people got so upset about it. I really, I had no idea. I had no idea that that was so bad. That was something that... Yeah, that really started. That Did he really started rape her and thing. then put her in the? In Wait, the what was, I'm sorry. What was the problem? That they put a character that they killed a character and put him in the refrigerator. Like she was. It wasn't because like they put was, her in the trash can. She wasn't trash. That character in particular was the rallying cry for, uh, for I guess female creators and female fans being upset because it seemed like every every girlfriend or female relationship to a superhero was the one that got killed or fucked up in order or to... paralyzed in order, or... Yeah, in order to spur the hero on to be heroic. That's almost your classic damsel in distress shit, though. I'm not sure how right, it's so different. Right, 2014. Yes. And damsels aren't in distress anymore. Yes, they'll kick your ass. Right. But that was a, it was a simpler time then. Back in the 90s. Hmm. Kyle Rayner was my Green Lantern for, for a long time. Because Hal was dead. And when I got into comics, there was no Hal. Green, uh, Kyle Rayner was the guy. Um, guy Gardner wasn't really around. I don't he even know if... Warrior, um, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. He got... I don't even know what the hell, hell happened with Guy Gardner. I think that uh, Kyle injected a lot of life back into the Green Lantern uh, character... When he first showed up on the scene, I, I think that the it Hal was a Jordan successful stuff, relaunch. Yeah, the Hal Jordan stuff I think was getting a little bit tired, and it was a it was a a success. I don't know, if it was an unexpected well, the Hal, the success. The Hal Jordan stuff was just so convoluted by the time mm-hmm. by the time you got up to when they decided to kill him and bring <clears throat> and bring Kyle, and they started from a clean slate. The whole time Hal was Green Lantern, he was part of the core. Mm-hmm. And then when you get Kyle, it's just like, all right, it's just this guy. We're breaking it down. We're keeping it real simple. And he also was a younger character on a team. And the Justice League team at that time was all the old classic, you know, Bruce Wayne, Clark Kent. And them having the interactions with this character carrying on the mantle of Green Lantern, but not being their friend, their close guy. And also uh, one of their enemies that they had a lot of uh, friction with. Batman in the Rebirth yeah. series uh, stated pretty uh, pretty vividly how he felt about Hal Jordan. And Kyle was Kyle was a really sharp contrast to Hal Jordan because Hal was always, you know, cocksure, shoot from the hip, I'm just, I'm just going. Whereas Kyle was always kind of doubting himself and you know, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman they're like, well, you're the Green Lantern you need to be in the Justice League. And he's constantly looking up to them, and he's never sure that he can live up to that ideal of, you know, being that kind of hero. They should have just put him in Teen Titans and got it over with. Right. They should have. But when I started reading, Kyle was the guy, so... Like, he was my Green Lantern for a long time. Like, Wally West was my Flash, because Barry Allen was dead. Did you really like the Green Lantern at that time, or were you... 
somewhat indifferent I was, to him. I was indifferent. Yeah. I remember, like, I didn't really understand what happened because I remember Green Lantern from Super Friends, <laughs> the old Hal Jordan yeah. Super Friends figure, and then I see this guy and I'm like, he doesn't look like that guy with the, with the white gloves. What happened? Like, what was the moment? The tran- I, we might have talked about this on the podcast before, but I always think it's hilarious because you used to be a big Batman guy, and in my mind, you hate Batman now. <laughs> So what happened? What was a transitional moment? Was there like one thing? Was it gradual? And to clear this up, Bat like I I love Batman. Okay. Batman's got to be like I have specific parameters for Batman these days. Conditional love, right? And DC seems they 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 like to do the opposite of what I like with Batman. They like to make everyone in Gotham City. Connected to Batman somehow. He can't be, like, the lone Dark Knight. He can't be just him and Alfred. It's got to be everyone in the city knows who he is, but they don't say anything, and they help him out, and the entire city's either a vigilante or another supervillain that fights him. It can't just be Batman. We talked about it last week with the teaser for Batman. Is it Batman Eternal? Is that right? The Thanksgiving dinner. That was DC saying straight to you, Fuck you. We know you hate this holiday. Here's, <laughs> here's Batman. Suck it. You know, I gotta tell you that I think that that Batman Eternal is gonna suck. I didn't really give my opinion on it last week, but I don't think that I've ever enjoyed a, a year-long event. Ever. I can't think of one. Did you read 52? No. I read part of it. I feel like 52 is the gold standard for year-long events, because everyone they've tried since has just... It's weird it's that... It's either been mediocre or really bad. They struck gold the first round through, and they've been trying to chase that ever since. It, it, it's actually... I, I don't know why they would go back to it. I guess it makes money. Well, it was Jeff Johns... Grant Morrison. Um, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, and Mark Wade. Yeah. On 52. I mean, those are superstar writers. So, I mean... That's a positive right there. But then, like, with each subsequent weekly, they seem to have, like, just kept stepping further and further down the ladder of who they're going to get to do So it. next year we get to write it? Is yeah. that what you're saying? <laughs> I just don't... Ex- I don't think these serialized stories were meant to exactly go that long. I think that, you know... I enjoy my comic books in little... Like, I like quick reads, I like bite-sized kind of, like, storylines, with the occasional overly wordy thing, Astro City looking at you, but a a year-long Batman event sounds kind of like I'd rather, you know, drill screws into my toes. Well, you're you're a Walking Dead fan. Yeah. You get the singles. Yeah. What if you look at it like Batman Eternal is just a year... Of Walking Dead books. Because Walking Dead's a quick read, but, you know, 24 issues, that's still 24 issues. It is, and, and yes, it all kind of goes together, but it it's like, I feel like the these events are very, very finite stories with a clear beginning, middle, end, whereas Walking Dead just sort of just kind of goes, <laughs> and there doesn't yeah. feel exactly like there's an well, how end long, necessarily. How long is Why the Last Man? That's more than 24 issues. Oh, yeah, certainly. Why the Last Man is probably 12 trades. 
Yeah, so well, that's it's, it's that's six hardback there. trades. Yeah, yeah but so. like, were that those was, were those written to be like exactly this one <clears throat> specific story, yeah. or it, it was? I don't yeah. think they set out to say it's going to start here and it's going to end here, but it does have a beginning and end, and and right, but and like co- going into the last year, everybody knew that it was the final year. Yeah, so. they may not have broken down issue to issue from the start, but there was a right. it was a finite story. Like I read Avengers forever. That was kind of, but it, usually it's they're all good. They start out with all kinds of promise, but then they just get tedious, boring, uninteresting. Yeah, and with with something like Batman Eternal, there's going to be so many different characters involved, and you're not going to be interested in, in all the stories. And with the nature of comic book storytelling, by the time you get to the end, everything has to be back to where it was in the beginning. Yeah, like I suppose you could kill someone during this run, but you know, chances are they're like the status quo is going to stay relatively the same. Because that's what people like with their comic books. You know, you, you kill a character off for so long, or you switch his brain out, and some doofuses think that it's going to be permanent, and they get all crazy and they're upset. You got to bring that character back. Paul, I'm with you. I think that there's way too many supporting Bat characters that fucking know who he is. Which is absurd that they would do that. And it's only a matter of time before Harper and Cullen Rowe know who he is. Agreed. And I have always preferred Batman operating as a single man unit. Maybe he's got, at the most, Robin and Nightwing with him. I I could, you know, I, I don't need the Huntress. I don't need... Um, Azrael is he even around Onyx? anymore. Neither of them are around anymore. I really. But hate now you get into Batgirl, Batwoman, Stephanie Brown, Batwing. The Batgirl thing is just preposterous. The fact that <laughs> how dare a woman uh, take on the Bat Mantle? No, no, no. The fact that they it's called the Bat Mantle for a reason. <laughs> that they brought her back. From being a paraplegic to, hey, what do you know? I can walk again. Not even fucking explaining. Did they ever explain that? Does no, anybody know? No, no they All just did that. All was explained as was like, it, it was a miracle or whatever. There was no It was a Christmas miracle. It was, it was complete nonsense and it was just an excuse to get the, the original Batgirl being Batgirl again. Yeah. It's like... They really dropped the ball. They created, I think... Oh, infinitely more compelling character in the Oracle by doing that. Gave her an incredibly interesting history. Um, I think basically it's somewhat insulting to people that are paraplegics or quadriplegics. Like, you know, you doing your thing with computers, that's not good enough. We need to get you walking and kicking and fighting and swinging from rooftops. And I don't think there was a big outcry for people wanting that. I don't think anybody wanted her return except for Gail Simone. They've had other Batgirls, Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, you need the original. You have to have the flowing red hair. Whenever the change came across, they killed Stephanie Brown. The change, it sounds like DC became a transgender at that point. They killed Stephanie Brown and fans freaked 
out because for some reason everyone loved Stephanie Brown and then she became Batgirl and everyone loved her more. Is that downtown Stephanie Brown? <laughs> <laughs> but Barbara Gordon's Oracle is such a good character. Like she redefined herself like Dick Grayson became Nightwing. Exactly. Like but at the same time, while she was Oracle, stuck in a wheelchair, I'm like, you know how many fucking cyborgs are walking around on two legs? You're fucking there best is. friends with Batman. Get that chick some legs. She does. There, no one in the current DC universe should be in a wheelchair. She literally the technology's out there. She literally has conversations with Cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> he should hook her up. What a fucking selfish prick he All is. All the super scientists in the DC universe. No one can get her a pair of working legs. All the super scientists in the DC universe, and none of the writers could just write something to get her standing up after they already did that. Like, how lazy! They gave fucking Roy Harper Arsenal a new arm when he got it ripped off. They can get her some working legs. She's just like, I'm good, keeping it real. <laughs> And I, I think that's what it was the whole time when, when she was Oracle. I think it was, it was like a pride thing. Like, no, this is who I am now. I'm going to live with this. It's like, you sure, you sure you don't want some of these legs? We got extra legs going around here. And she was like, nope, nope, just going to keep rolling. It's you know, okay. I, I fortunately have full use of all of my limbs. I don't personally know any paraplegics. But I would imagine if given the opportunity, if Bruce Wayne rolled up to your door like, hey, I know this guy. He's half robot. We can get you working again. That they're going to jump at the chance. I would think so. I would think so too. So if anybody out there disagrees with us, but for for as good um, as Barbara Gordon, get was, underscore McSauce. Yeah, for Twitter. as good as she was as a character and as Oracle, like the, I really had to suspend disbelief every time I read her that she's stuck in that wheelchair. Yeah, it was it was strange, but uh. <laughs> Back to uh, Green Lantern, yeah. Back to the initial question. I don't know when oh, my allegiance went from Batman oh, is that to what, Hal Jordan. Is that, the, is that the question? I forget. Yeah, I, it, at some point, I think I just want. I just needed... Space. I just needed bigger. And, and Jeff Johns gave said. me that, that epic that I was looking for. You were confined to Earth, the dark, grimy alleys of... Crime alley. You needed to... Get out. I'd stand in the narrows and I'd look up at the stars and I'd be like, man. What must wish I was like up there? Wish I was up there. And that's when Jeff Johns brought brought the great Hal Jordan back. And I'm, I'm still terrified they're going to kill him at some point. He seems to be the expendable member of the Green Lantern crew. More so than the new guy, Simon Baz. Is that the black guy? He is Arabic. John Stewart's the black guy. Oh, okay, sorry. There can't be two black guys. No, there can only be one, just like on this podcast. Ian, is John, is John Stewart your favorite? How dare you? <laughs> no, I think Hal Jordan is probably my favorite, just on the strength of the Green Lantern animated series. I really fell in love with the the mythos of Green Lantern on that show. I don't really care for the comic books all that much. and never really did. Um, didn't really care for the movie all that much, but boy what? do I... Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Shocking. Well, uh, well, yeah, back up, right? Dude, let's find fault in the Green Lantern movie. That movie was flawless. Yes. But Green Lantern, the animated series, it it 
it brought to me everything that I wanted from a space epic. And it, it fused all the stuff that I like about all those kind of uh, intergalactic tales and, and, and brought it to me. So I, I'd say that Hal Jordan really is my favorite, just I, the way he was voice I love Green Lantern, the animated series. Yeah. It was only on for two seasons. I think it's only like 22 episodes total. Yeah. But it's really about two supporting characters. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, By yeah, the yeah. time you get into like the middle of the first season, it's about... The robotic computer on the ship who turns to has like an android body that she can jump into, and this recovering Red Lantern who's trying to be good but he still has the rage built up in him. And it's a really that series is about their love story and Hal Jordan and Kilowog are just the the gateway characters to facilitate that. Yeah. I wonder if they set out at the beginning, because those are two newly created characters for that show. They don't exist, or maybe raise... No, they don't exist nope. in the... Neither one exists in the comics. And uh, it, really compelling stuff. I, I wonder if that was the initial goal for that series, was to focus it that way. I don't know. I follow... Um, I follow uh, Giancarlo Volpe... On Twitter, and he was the showrunner for for Green Lantern, and like the amount just from following his tweets and stuff, the amount of support that there was for Aya, Aya, who was the robot, and Razor, the Red Lantern, was just staggering. Like people loved those characters, and they were good characters. They were done, you know, the voice acting, the whole show was voice acted perfectly. They cast all the right people, and they were great characters. At the same time, they introduced Razor on the show. They introduced Rancor in the books as a Red Lantern. He was a British British guy from Earth. He gets fiery hair when he turns into a Red Lantern. And he couldn't have been less interesting. Yeah. And I, I think what made him less interesting is because he came out the same time Razor did. And Razor's such a deep, emotional, compelling character. I'm like, it just made the other guy look like shit. <laughs> But the Red Lanterns don't need their own book anyway. Because they're bad guys, and they should just be one-dimensional bad guys. It's okay if your bad guys are one-dimensional. Not everyone needs to be Magneto. Some people like some depth with their villainy. Matt, if you had, if you had your choice of color spectrum ring to wear, what would it be? Just based on the color, or based on based what, on what you feel... Represents represents you. Re represents you. Yeah. Are so, you going to give them give them choices? Give yeah, them choices. I, I don't so that the listeners at home know what choices they have. The color spectrum, and it, it's Green Lantern in this incarnation has been around since the '60s, and since then no one has thought to make like the yellow ring core or the blue ring core until Jeff Johns and Ethan Van Skyver blew it out. In the, in the early 2000s, and they they got pretty deep with the mythologies of all this stuff, and that's what made one of the things that made his run so good is because it was so it was so deep. Like it felt like the way you watch A New Hope, Star Wars, and what's, never heard of what's it. that? Yeah, who? The, when you watch A New Hope, you're you immediately feel like there's this realized world, and that this whole thing exists. And that's what they did with Green Lantern. They put so much, you know, thought and and effort into everything, and all the mythologies behind the rings. It felt like this stuff has existed this entire time, and we're only hearing about it now. 
But there's red, which is rage. Orange, which is avarice. What's avarice? Greed. I thought, okay. Yellow. Two different things that always went together, but... Mm -hmm. Yellow, which is fear. Green's willpower. Blue is hope. Indigo is compassion. Violet is love. We're leaving out black, which is death, which is metal, which is you, and uh, And white, white, which which is is life. But throw out black and white. But black and white don't really work. Are you saying which one defined? Black and white don't work the way the other seven work. Yeah, which one do you relate to the most? Hmm. I'm going to go ahead and pick orange. For me. Because, for me. Because I'm greedy. And honest. What color is honesty? <laughs> Ian? Ian. Oh, boy. Um, the, the, the real answer is probably orange. <laughs> uh, I'll go out. I'll, I'll, I'll say hope. I like to hope for things. I know the real answer is orange, but, but, I'll, respect, but I'll respect you I'll, changing I'll, it up I'm for gonna, the sake of a good I'm going to change it up <laughs> and make myself sound way nicer than I actually am and go with hope. Uh, is lying one of these colors? I think if an orange ring fell down Deceit? here right now, yeah. we would kill each other over it. <laughs> yeah, what, what, uh, what color is deceit? Is that... What would deceit fall under? Probably greed. Because you're lying for self-preservation. Right. Usually. I am anyway. (laughs) So what is the fear when you make people afraid? If you have it? Yeah. Yeah. You're capable of instilling fear. Hmm. I don't think I'm I'm capable of that. Batman gets a yellow ring Ah. in the Sinestro Corps War because he... Instills fear into the cowardly and superstitious lot. Gotcha. Which were criminals back in the 30s. In the Marvel Universe, they're also heroes. <laughs> I'm going to go with green for me. Willpower? I would say willpower. Willpower? Because you have that drive that, and motivation. Is that how you didn't eat that last piece of cheesy jalapeno bacon, <laughs> bacon bread? I was saving that for Paul. Oh. Or is that compassion? That is... Well, yeah, that's a little bit of yeah, compassion. Maybe I'm, okay, I'm compassion. Indigo, right? Indigo. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's it's willpower, or else we'd see more artwork from you. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. That's true. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of some of our other friends that the listeners would know. Okay, compassion. I kind of think... Compassion it is. Compassion. Not all the time, but... Young Dominic Yossi gets rage. He gets, he gets a, <laughs> a red ring sometimes. I'm trying to think of uh, some other folks. Does anyone we know represent willpower, green? Anyone have outstanding Do, willpower? No, I don't think so. No. I really don't think so. Yeah, the way the way they broke down all the different rings, and each one of them works uh, a, a little bit differently... The blue rings of hope augment the green because you need because when you're hope to when have you're willpower hopeful, it makes you want to go do stuff so that augments the willpower. How about does uh, does rage go with fear or something like that? No, 
the rage breaks down willpower's constructs. And for the longest time, will willpower, the green rings, were the only one that you could make things with. So, like, okay, so green is made up of yellow and blue. So that's that's fear and hope equals rage. Like, were they seriously going color wheel? I don't think they were going color wheel with yeah. it. They were they? Oh, they were. Yeah, because okay, that's interesting. The, the only weakness of the Green Lantern for the longest time was anything that was the color yellow, which turned out wind up being which wound up being the yellow entity of fear. And once you got over your fear, then yellow shit couldn't affect you. So shouldn't in a way, it, it was the, yellow. The, and shouldn't it have been the complementary color to green? Shouldn't which it have been orange? red? Well, green's oh, orange is blue, right? Orange is blue. Or right? is it? I thought I thought orange was green. No, no, orange. It's orange and blue. We need a color wheel. That's why those Edmonton Oilers unis look so nice. Complementary colors. And the Minnesota Wild. Complementary colors. Yeah, that's true. There we go. Color wheel on board. So, uh, yeah, green, red, purple, yellow. So compassion and, and fear are are the two opposites. The uh, indigo go, lines up with lime green. Lime green, what is that? Is that like humor? Sure. Let's go with humor. <laughs> What's weird about... What I always found weird about the indigo tribe was that they're all like serial killers and murderers and these terrible people, but then the ring finds them and teaches them how to be compassionate so that as long as they're wearing the rings, they're real chilled out and mellow and they're kind of good guys. That's but, once, crazy. but if the rings get shut down, then they're just a bunch of psycho killers. That's pretty weird. But that's something that's a interesting they also, angle. They can also teleport, and they're the only ring color that can do that. And the star sapphires, um, they all they they existed back in the day, but they kind of rolled that into the new yeah. history. Yeah, one of back back when Hal Jordan was originally introduced, one of his main villains was his ex-girlfriend whose is it right and she she, some the the sapphire gem from space would find her and attach itself to her and take over and have her go on like some murderous rage to like capture Hal and kill him she'd like blow up his phone with all these mean text (laughs) messages and so they they took that that already established mythology and just rolled it into a bigger violet uh, star sapphire core who are all chicks in like scantily clad stuff she'd, she'd show up she'd figure out that how and his current girlfriend were going out on a date and show up all sexy right that get him in trouble in one of these trades sitting in front of us oh yeah so yeah alright what a bitch so the green lantern he's a pretty powerful hero right is he more powerful than the flash who would win yes. in a fight yeah, let's let's do a little who would win. I old think, school. I let's think go a little old school. Green Lantern gets depowered quite a bit in books and shows because essentially the ring can do whatever you put your mind to. You just have to believe. You just have yourself. to have the willpower. Isn't that to crap of the rappers thing? I don't know. You just have to have the willpower to make the willpower. it happen. Okay. So. Like, so he's more powerful than the Flash. I don't think he's not as fast as the Flash, <laughs> right? I don't feel like the Flash, the Flash is all that powerful. Like the Flash really doesn't have super strength, right? Or is, or does he? 
It's one of those weird things where once you get one superpower... You get super you, strength and almost invulnerability. Yeah, you get some kind of super strength and... Because yeah. for real, if the Flash accidentally tripped and fell, he would break his face open and that would be the end of his heroics. Yeah, he would be dust. Yeah, so I mean... Yeah. Right. So he. I don't he, think the Flash can beat anybody personally, except <laughs> for his rogues gallery of buffoons. <laughs> <laughs> who can the Flash beat? Open it up, Image Universe, Marvel Universe. Who can the Flash beat? The Flash can beat anyone at this table. <laughs> well, we're not in any of those. We. I didn't say McSauce Universe. But the the Flash can. The no one's gonna catch him. He's faster than Superman. The only person that's equally as fast as the Flash is Quicksilver. But can't you put something out there to trip him or something? I feel like that's the Flash's weakness. Yeah, but he's trip him. But he's seeing everything. It's such a slowed down pace. He's gonna see you try to trip him. How does the Flash get? How does he get defeated by his villains? He fights a monkey. <laughs> it's a super smart monkey. And genius. And he fights a dude with... He fights a knockoff Mr. Freeze. He fights a boomerang Australian dude. Because he gets, he gets overwhelmed. By all these By guys? All of the road. He fights a guy that can mirror master and he jumps into a mirror and jumps out. That's kind a of fucked fucking, up power. Right? Kind of fucking power. That's a that? Silver Age power right oh there. Oh my god. How does he last? Right, so, so what you're getting at is Green Lantern could probably beat the Flash. Everybody can beat the Flash. That, um, that's my stance. Okay, so could could the Green Lantern beat Aquaman? I think the Green Lantern could beat anybody that has to breathe. <laughs> what? Well, no, that's a good point. I mean, because all right, does Martian Manhunter have to breathe? You need to fight Superman right. or the Hulk or someone. All Hal has to do is take you is, up into space. Is go out? Not even that. He can just stand outside of orbit and shoot. A beam of light down to suffocate you. Ugh. And that's it. And then you're done. What what a stupid comic book that would be. I know. That's why they don't do it. What if they stop him from flying away before he can get away? And then they smash his face into the ground. Right, but the Hulk's never going to catch him to to do that. Superman could. The Hulk might. No. Hulk doesn't have super speed. Hulk can move at relative super speed. How fast can he go? Not as fast as Superman or the Flash, but faster than the So Hulk. Superman would defeat the Green Lantern? No. Green Lantern well, would beat Superman? It's never really established if Superman can breathe or not. I don't think he can. I think he, he can doesn't have breath to. forever. He can, yeah. He's got forever breath. Yeah. I think Superman could, could wear him down. Because the Green Lanterns, all their rings only work for what does, so long, which does is a really dumb. Shazam have the same kind of... He's on... The same level with Superman power-wise. Could he be able to beat... But Shazam has to breathe. Does he? We don't know. When he's Shazam, we don't know if he has to breathe. Because he's still a human based on, like, human... But uh, doesn't he have... He's got magic lungs. So can he... I mean, there's there's no no telling what is capable of... It's unknown, but I'm pretty sure Shazam still has to breathe. Because he's a Shazam would fire a lightning bolt right through Green Lantern's chest. Would Would he be able... Would his... Constructs be able to withstand that. Yes, that would his, light his ring could absorb the okay, electric. electricity. Can it can it handle magic? Yeah. The ring can do whatever. They have to depower that dude all the time. 
You know, I'm, I'm re- every time I'm reading a book, I'm like, well, we should just do this. And then I think, well, that wouldn't be a very exciting book. You know who would beat him? Who would beat him? The Silver Surfer. Oh! Could be. That would be a good fight. That's Nova, a good matchup. Nova would also give him a good fight. Does Nova have to breathe, or does they he have a essentially have said the same powers. Yeah. But not oh, yeah. the, not the uh, kid. What's the kid's name again? Sam Alexander. Sam Alexander. Just because he's inexperienced. I was going to say, that punk kid. Even Richard Ryder. I don't like that guy. Richard Ryder. Much. Richard Ryder's. Well, Richard Ryder's Hal Jordan, just with a different name. And a really queer helmet. Yes. What? You don't like the Nova helmet? Not not the classic one that Richard Ryder used to have. Which one is that? It's the one that didn't quite wrap around the face as much. It was more yellow. It was more loud colors, yellow and blue. Had the star with silver. It was like electro, kind of. Oh, the one that it looks like... Um, no, this is the... He had the... Didn't he have, Didn't he always have this helmet? You talking about that helmet? Yeah. Isn't that... Yeah, that's, that's the, essentially the same thing that... I think it's just a little stylized, but it's it's pretty much it's the same, isn't it? I thought the star wrapped more around the helmet now. <laughs> no, I like the Nova helmet. I like the, the whole Nova thing because it's what I it's a, it's my Green Lantern fix in the Marvel universe. See, I would think that that would just annoy you that that it's kind of a huge rip off of what Green Lantern is. I can see what you're saying here, Matt. Like it, it sort of seems flat. And the yeah. old ones. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a little different now. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a little bit. They made different. it dark. Yeah. Navy with the big star on it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I thought that would that would bother <clears> me too. Like, cause once I started reading Nova and I started le- reading more up on him and just realizing that there was a Nova core. And it's it's Marvel's Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. But the the Nova issues that I read were just so good it. it didn't matter. Like it, it had that same Star Wars ish feel to it. Uh, just, just space fantasy adventure. I can never get into to Nova all that much, or Green Lantern the book for any extended period of time. But that Ryan Reynolds movie it was awesome, right? I think that was on TV the other week. It was on it like was. FX or I something. Watched a little bit of it. I caught a very brief part of it and then turned it off because it just makes me upset. It started out really good. It did. It had a lot of promise. And then it just it just collapsed under its own weight of mythology and garbage. So they're going to have to give us a new Green Lantern in Batman Superman, right? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Would they really... I feel where... The Green Lantern kind of fell apart in the movie was basically bringing the whole thing to Earth and having the Earth stuff. It just wasn't working. Yeah. Maybe if they have it take place in space, it'll it'll work better. Kind of like how I think a lot of the stuff in Thor was better in Asgard than on Earth. Just it was too much of a fish out of water. Yeah. yeah even <clears throat> take them to uh, different alien locales. Studios get nervous about that stuff for that's some what, reason. That's what the animated series was. He was out in space, space the whole the, time. The entire time. How successful was the animated series? Uh, enough to be canceled. <laughs> enough to be canceled after two seasons. But, but that's because it, toys. It, it didn't sell toys. It wasn't because it was a bad show. It's because it didn't sell. Why didn't it sell toys? Because the movie put a <clears throat> you know a bad taste in the toy buying 
Because there mouth. isn't a market for superhero cartoons right now. Which is sad. There Ninja aren't Turtles really... is really the shining example, the shining, you know, exception to yeah. the rule. Well, what about Ben 10? Is that, is that not comic book? I mean, it's not a comic book. It's it written by comic like book it. writers. It's, um, it's, com- it's comic booky. Okay. And is Ben 10 still on? on in America? I know I it's real know. popular in the UK. Is it an American creation? Yeah, it is. Okay. It is. Because it has a very manga kind of vibe to it. See, I always thought it kind of felt like, um, kind of felt like Batman the Animated Series, like it, it, it had that kind of, um, art style to it, but I always thought the monsters felt like Japanese and A little bit. Yeah, and now that I think about it, I think any time that they would jump in the air, they would have the lines behind <laughs> um, Pokemon I've style. never actually watched it. I think I'd really like it if I watched it, but it's never on at a time that I can catch it, or and I want to catch it from the beginning and watch yeah. it through. I've seen a handful of episodes, and I've been interested, Yeah, but never enough to start the DVR or to sit down and watch more. But I always liked the ones when he was younger. They kind of, and they kind of set it up more like Shazam, where he's a kid, and then he gets these gets powers. His through, watch can through change the Omnitrix. Is that what it is? That's what it's called. And his, he, I guess it was his his grandpa. Him and his sister lived with his grandpa, who looked like Shazam. Yeah, yeah. But and I and then I guess they went ahead and made a series where like him, he's he's a teenager. And I think his sister's involved, and then there's some other guy, and each of them wind up getting some kind of power. But I've never seen enough of it to to really get into it. You guys ever watch a show? It was called The Secret Saturdays. And it was like, um... It was kind of, kind of like... Dom did. <laughs> it was kind of like um, Fantastic Four, Johnny Quest kind of style show. It, it, it also had a similar art style to Ben 10. And I I thought it was really good. It only lasted like a season or I've something heard like of that. It. I think it was called Secret Saturdays. I've seen this big green monster before, and I'm pretty sure I thought it was from the Herculoids. Yeah, that's another show that it kind of reminded me of. Yeah, it's it looks very Herculoids-ish. It was really. But I've never seen. I've never seen the Secret Saturdays. Yeah, I guess it was on Cartoon Network. I believe so. It's not on anymore. No, it was only on for I think. Maybe a year, maybe two years, but it was, you know, your family with extraordinary powers goes on some adventures, yeah, fight the, some skele- skeleton face guy. The market for superhero cartoons just isn't, it isn't right now. I mean, but now how are kids watching that? Watching stuff like Adventure Time and regular show, new Powerpuff Girls shows coming on. Yeah. The Teen Titans Go. Like stuff that's, it seems geared more toward younger kids, but still has enough of that adult sensibility that we can enjoy too. Yeah. But straight up superhero shows just don't seem to be the, the cartoon of the day right now. Is it because superhero things are saved for the silver screen and they're maybe considered adult kind of things now, which is weird. I don't. I don't think so because Ninja Turtles works. Yeah, and that I works great. So. And if yeah. I think if you put together a good Batman show, that's going to work. I mean, Batman works all the time. I mean, if you did a Wolverine show, that would probably work too. 
Stunningly, they haven't been able to uh, get a, a good Spider-Man show going. I mean, they, they they did, right, with Spectacular, but not enough to keep it around. You would think that Spider-Man could sell enough toys. You could do enough fun stuff with Spider-Man. Well, Ultimate, Ultimate Spider-Man still. But it's a shit show. It's still on. It's, it's less shit enough so that it's still less on. Less shit enough? And they're able to introduce other Marvel characters into the show. Yeah. I don't know anybody that still watches that show. I think I gave it three episodes, and I was outy. I watched the first one, and it was too it was too childish. Like they had like all, the, but they do they did the same stuff that Ninja Turtles does, with like you know the goofy like they'll get anime eyes or like some flashing image above their head, or like something will go to like standard two D instead of the CG stuff, and that's what Ultimate Spider Man was doing, but. When Spider-Man did it, I was like, Ugh, this is so childish. <laughs> but when it's on Ninja Turtles, I'm like, oh, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I, it, it's got to be just the writing or maybe going from CG to, you know, more of the flat animation, whereas Ultimate Spider-Man is just 2D. The CG on Ninja <clears throat> Turtles is just, it's really awesome. I've really grown to love that style that they picked for that show. Made me happy the other day. We were at a restaurant. A little kid was running around with his Leonardo action figure. And in my mind, I was like, I bought that kid Leonardo action figure. <laughs> Good thing he wasn't running around with um, Donatello, because then we would be like, oh, damn it. We had nothing to do with that. Yeah, yeah. Because we couldn't find a Donatello action figure. Too popular. now the most popular of the Ninja Turtles. Our kids like intelligence nowadays, man. I think they like the subtle romantic storyline. Kids like bestiality now? They're like interspecies love. Ooh, yes. Who doesn't? You can't even say he used to be a guy because he was always a turtle. She always had love for him. Mm-hmm. You never thought turtles were a little bit sexy? I did. Okay. I can't speak for April O'Neil. Sometimes you just look at a turtle, look at that shell. Glistening. Glistening in the... In your bedrooms, <laughs> candlelight. Yeah. I would prefer to have Green Lantern powers in the zombie apocalypse. As opposed to not having them? I... <laughs> As opposed to some other superhero's powers. Well, wait a second, the Flash could probably get away. That punk. But the Flash would have to get his hands dirty. Superman's would be good too because I don't think that a zombie could bite through his skin. Right, and Superman could also just kind of fly and burn brains out with heat vision. Spider-Man's would be good because he would have some spider sense, wouldn't get bitten in the back, hopefully, or have his fellow man stab him in the back. That's right. That's true. Whereas, he would know who to trust and who not to trust. That whereas, governor guy seems pretty sketchy. <laughs> I would think that pretty much any superpower would come in handy to some degree during the zombie apocalypse. Well, there are some shitty powers out there. What does Squirrel Girl do? Who the fuck is that? I don't it's some that Marvel is. hero. People I don't know. love her, and I don't fucking get it. I don't really know what she does. But I know it's supposed to be really funny when she plays off Wolverine. Oh. I guess because she's silly and he's... He's gruff and miserable. Hmm. I want her to have powers over squirrels. Maybe Captain America's powers aren't the best to have. Because he's only slightly augmented. 
you could probably break through his skin if you tried really hard. Probably. And he's going to get tired. He's going to wear down. Right. I agree. Magnetos might not be all that beneficial. There's a lot of pick metal up a in lot of metal zombie apocalypse. Throw through some zombie heads. Yeah, I guess, but directly against zombies. Professor X, useless. Yeah. Can you, could he control a zombie brain? Is there enough working in there that he could control oh, maybe. It? Or he could use... Um, can he, like, do mind over matter kind of stuff? Oh, she... Like telekinesis? Yeah. Yeah, I think she, he can. for real... Like, get out of a tough situation, mind over matter stuff? <laughs> yep. She seriously has a fucking tail, sizable buck teeth, which are strong enough to chew through wood. Or zombie brains. Mm-hmm. Enhanced agility and strength, so she can jump and climb on trees. And her fingers are sharp like claws... She also has telepathic powers over, you guessed it, squirrels. squirrels. And here's a picture of Dr. Doom getting overrun by squirrels. How ridiculous. Those powers might come in handy, though, in the zombie apocalypse. Isn't Dr. Doom just really smart? Yeah. Not, not judging from this picture, he's not. But he, doesn't he have, like, energy blasts or something? Well, his suit has power, and he also is, like, kind of a sorcerer. Like, he has dark magic stuff, oh, okay. um, you know, because his mom got sent to hell, so he had to learn how to get her out of there. Is that his backstory? That's one part of it, yeah. That's actually kind of cool. But, yeah, he's like that. a sorcerer as well. Never either. That's, cra- that's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I think he has an unhealthy relationship with his mother, so mm. that's why he... Coitus. <laughs> yeah. That's why he split. That's, <laughs> what, that's why he... <laughs> that's why he, uh, you know, learned how to do all that stuff. But, yeah, Doctor Doom, he's a really underrated villain, man. He gets punked so bad all the freaking time. Makes me sad what, looking at these squirrels just fucking dominate the shit out of him right here. A squirrel girl shouldn't be a character. No, no. Who created? You know, her? Uh, uh, I think who's responsible? It might be Steve Get- Ditko. Hold on a second. Uh, it's somebody that we respect. Where's? Oh, oh that, uh, yep, Steve Ditko. Will Murray. Steve Ditko. Yeah, it stinks. Come um, on, son. <clears throat> while. Tony Stark is is really intelligent, and that would come in handy. You know, his suit, Iron Man suit, pretty shitty, and his heart's probably going to stop real quick if we're going to go with the traditional Iron Man affliction of you yeah, know, having the battery if, and shit. Yeah, uh, if the world loses power? Yeah, he's dead pretty quick then, I Iron guess. Iron Man's not going to work in the Revolution universe. Yeah, unless he's steampunk Iron Man, <laughs> which some fucking dorks probably would love. I don't know, he didn't have any electricity in um, Afghanistan or where the fuck he was in the movie, right? But then he made like a little battery out of something. How yeah, much of that made, stuff? he made a miniature arc reactor yeah, that, was, that lasted enough to get him outside and into that sand. Lasted and enough to it. save his cinematic career. So, so he in would the zombie stay. apocalypse, he would probably just get the lights back back yeah. on. Uh, can, can zombies bite through things exterior, uh, through his rock? I would think not. So he'd be okay. He'd be, through like, his, invulnerable. Oh, the thing. The, the thing. The thing. I don't think they could. No. So he'd be good. Could you bite through the thing? <laughs> then no, zombies could not no, bite through No, no, no. No. Zombies seem to be able to... 
bite better than humans. Like, yeah, and yeah. And they're they, also good at ripping. Like, they always seem so weak, but then when they get to you, they're able to rip your stomach open like it's paper mache, and 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 they pull out your your entrails like. My brother and I were just talking treats. about that today. How you know Carl has a real easy time stabbing through a skull with a Bowie knife, or just like smashing a paper mache skull on the ground. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of ridiculous. I think we'd probably be fucked during the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> you mean why is it they don't have breaking the power cosmic? Yeah. Right. What is the power cosmic? I don't know. What can he do? I don't with know. The power cosmic. I I don't know the origin of it or anything like that. I just know that's his power. I know he flies really fast, he's yeah. invulnerable, mm-hmm. and he can also shoot energy blasts. Yeah. That's my understanding as well. But the power cosmic seems like... It's all the Spider-Man little... man had it at one point. It sounds like some crazy shit like... You should be able to like move planets, like some really big shit. It's a vast source of limitless, godly, cosmic energy and power... Primarily wielded by godlike cosmic entity. You like know, Galactus is one of them. <laughs> um, yeah, Silver Surfer. Who else has this stuff? Did Adam Warlock have it? He may have. No, does Adam it, does Warlock. It list it here, though. He, Adam Warlock was a very integral part. And I'm sorry, I'm totally derailing this Green Lantern talk. He's space. What? He's space. He he plays an integral part in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, the classic Infinity Gauntlet, and then the aftermath, splitting up of the gems and everything. Now, did obviously they're building toward the Infinity Gauntlet in the Marvel movie universe. Are, are they planning on kind of bringing back Adam Warlock and making him a major player, and then? The second part of that is, are they going to do that in the comic books? Because he's not currently in the comics, correct? No, it would make sense if they did that. It's the first that um, he became he became Magus, the what? evil Adam Warlock in the comics, and then he got with that killed. sweet white afro. That's pretty cool. No, Ma- Magus was I think it was Magus. Ma- Magus, all right, uh, he's the future. The Adam Warlock from the future. Is that... The is purple what? dude. Yes. With the Flash's lightning bolt. In the Abnett Landing run of Guardians and Nova, they found some power out in space and it corrupted Adam Warlock and he became Magus. Okay. And then the Guardians had to kill him. I would Magus imagine if he's going to fit in anywhere, it's going to be in the Guardians movie that's upcoming. Right. I wonder if they'll bring him into the Guardians comic book. I don't know. None of us will be able to tell you because I don't think it... I'm not reading it anymore nope. either. I'm out. Would Adam Warlock's return get you interested in Guardians? I really liked Adam Warlock in the 90s when he first showed up. I thought, wow, who is this character? He just yeah. grabbed the Infinity Gauntlet. like, And he he was the one that set up the whole plan for all the heroes to basically go and fight Thanos. And it, as it turned out, it was just basically a decoy the real plan was to have the surfer swoop in there and yank the um gauntlet right off of thanos's hand meanwhile he missed but silver surfer but it was it was so like intriguing how this this hero adam warlock kind of 
put this plan together and, and he did it in a kind of like heartless kind of very tactical way you know he didn't care about the heroes it was just about the mission um and then ultimately he gets the infinity gauntlet but he doesn't it's like the one ring right <laughs> i can't wait to see that in uh in the films when they finally do whenever i'm sure by the time they get the gauntlet we'll all be 50 at that point but when they do get, they are a going about together, this in the longest fucking most drawn out way. Slow. I'm kind of nervous. They have, like shit's going to fall apart, and they won't even. Have By the time they get to the gauntlet, no one's going to give a shit. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's going to be Avengers three, right? That's when it'll happen. I think so, but that's a lot of gems for them to sprinkle throughout these next coming movies, especially since like. Captain America Winter Soldier, I don't see them doing anything real cosmic or special in that movie, so there isn't going to be a gem there. So where else are they going to... Wouldn't you just shit if there was a gem at the end of the X-Men movie? I was about to say that. That would be (laughs) fucking awesome. You would be like, oh my god, they're going to... Now they're going to do it. They're going to bring the franchises together. That would be amazing. But that won't happen. People would lose their fucking shit. All they need to do to spark the rumor mill is to have something shiny at the very end and nerds will go crazy. I don't know why Sony and Marvel wouldn't want all that fucking money. I mean, they'll make enough for it to be profitable. But it would be all of the money. It would be the... It's the one thing. If they could do X-Men, Fantastic Four, Avengers, Spider-Man, Mashup, that's the one thing that could go against... Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, like that. It. it would kill it. Would it kill it? Because there would be it. too many things going on. Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe all kill that it. stuff together would people, be too much. People are, I think, X-Men incredibly Avengers. intrigued awesome. to see Superman and Batman interacting with each other. Plus, just the curiosity of seeing the new Batman. Yeah. You know, which we still have not seen that that mythical. Uh, Ben Affleck in suit picture that Kevin Smith saw. Does it really exist or do you think that he's just... I think it exists. I don't think Kevin Smith is necessarily full of shit. I think he might tend to exaggerate a little bit because he Mm -hmm. gets excited. Yeah, Yeah, I don't even know if he exaggerates. I think he just gets really excited. He just like can't contain himself. Overly excited. I asked him one time what he thought about Thor The Dark World, and he gave a really crazy answer. <laughs> so gave you, it a 10. So you guys are right. I asked Kevin Smith what he thought about um, the Star Wars prequels. What did he say when you asked? Oh, you did ask, You actually did ask him. Yeah, I did. That's hilarious. He said, uh, he said they're okay. He said, you know, there was... There was some dumb shit in them, but, you know, there's dumb shit in the originals. So yeah. he's, um... Kevin Smith's with me. Your good friend. Me and Kevin Smith against you two. Your close personal buddy. Between Kevin Smith and Ian, I don't think we would get a word in. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I watched, um, I I saw Kevin Smith on uh, Arsenio Hall a couple months ago. Wait, what? Yeah. I saw that he was going to be on, so I taped it. I don't make a regular business of watching Arsenio Hall. But it was really awkward because I mean, Kevin Smith just talks, and Arsenio's just kind of sitting there like, uh huh, uh huh, uh, just like trying to 
rein in the interview and like get get a word in, and he just can't. Kevin Smith just boom. And then there's a break, and Arsenio starts on on something else, and Kevin's like, "Wait, wait, let me finish this story real quick." <laughs> it was just, it was so awkward. Arsenio Holt, master interviewer. <laughs> When did Arsenio come back with the show? When did that happen? Last summer, I think. Just this past summer? Mm -hmm. 2013. What was he in? Wasn't he in a movie or something that somewhat kind of restarted his career? He was in a Chappelle show sketch. That's what... Really? That was it? Yeah, that's what I know. I've always thought he was funny. Does he still do the woot-woot thing? He doesn't. You're asking me, but I didn't watch the. I don't religiously watch it like Paul does. From what I've seen, he doesn't. Ian, tell me about Arsenio. In, anyway, from what I've seen, he doesn't encourage it, but the crowd does it anyway. Ah, ah class. Because you can't not. I mean, even when I was watching it, my hands started going up. I was like, "What's happening?" You know, sometimes the the live audience can ruin shit with like too much cheering. Like, for example, I'm a big Married with Children fan. Love that show. But the first three seasons are, like, good and funny, normal. Uh, but then, like, by the fourth and especially, like, by the fifth season, the the audience would, like, cheer, like, insanely over the top when, when uh, one of the main characters would show up for the first time on set. Or... You know, if, like, Kelly was wearing a sexy outfit, they would go, ow, and they would just go ape shit. And it's like, okay, shut the fuck up. Like, you can't even hear them talk. Yeah, Two Broke Girls is like that when Stifler's mom shows up all the time. Yeah. Okay. And, like, it goes on so long. Like, you can tell that the actress is like, Waiting I need to deliver this line. And it's, it's really awkward. Yeah, studio audience... Participation. It's very strange. Um, I agree. I had nowhere to go with that. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't had, even know how. I, I had nothing to add. To the, <laughs> I don't know where why I brought that up. What a, what a married with children sidebar. So um, we're talking about movies a little bit. This is the Green Lantern uh, podcast. That's let's where talk we're going about. With that. Let's talk about resurrecting. The movie franchise, the, the the cinematic version of the Green Lantern. What is the future? I think if he's introduced, well, you, well, you can't have a Justice League without Green Lantern. You can, they, but they you do can't. in the comics currently. Um, yeah, I guess they, I guess they kind of do. That was supposed to be Simon Baz taking over that, but he's he got bumped over to. Justice League America. Um, I, well, I don't think you can have a big screen Justice League without Green Lantern. He's such an integral part of that that team. But I think if they do it, it's going to be Jon Stewart. Because they're not going to want to roll out so, you know, Whitey McWhiterson. So the future of Green Lantern is, is not going to be in a solo movie. It's going to be in a Justice League movie. I think they will dip their toe in to you know see how well the Justice League Green Lantern works before they go ahead and try to reboot that franchise. Now, do you feel that the Green Lantern could work um, on its own with a black Green Lantern? Yeah. I mean, like, would it be successful? I think so. I'd I'd like to see it. I think it would be kind of neat. 
Do you have any ideas about who who would you cast as John Stewart if you're gonna Ted Diggs? Uh, any real, <laughs> real answers? Why can't that be a real answer? How about Will Smith? I guess so. No, no. he's too funny. You got to get someone serious. Serious as fuck. Denzel could do it, but Denzel's too old. Yeah. I don't know. Tay's kind of funny too, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, John Stewart's not funny. You know, and like, Tay's how, little too, right? Hal Jordan's kind of wisecracking and funny, but John Stewart's all, all business. Like mm-hmm. they'd have to pair him up with. The comedic relief, because John Stewart is not—he's not a funny guy. Kilowog, maybe. I guess Idris Elba—he seems to be the uh, black the, du jour. Black, black du jour, yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like it seems like he'd, he'd do a uh, pretty good job because he can do badass and serious at the same time. Yeah, I, I think if they go with uh, go with Green Lantern, if they go with a Justice League movie. And they went with seven characters. I think they'd have to go with the animated series, Black Green Lantern, and they'd have to introduce Hawkgirl instead of... Um, who the hell did they cut out Aquaman? Which is travesty, in my opinion. But I like Hawkgirl. I like Hawkgirl, too. She worked great for... Uh, she looked great for that for that series. But would it be too hard explaining Hawkgirl instead of Aquaman? Thangarian... Thangarian. Thangar? Thangar? Thanagar. Thanagar. Thanagarian. Let's get your alien worlds terminology correct. Let's do that. That's why I went to you. I didn't just, you know, willy-nilly say it. I was looking for for assistance. A small small part of what I like about Green Lantern is that they they are out, out in the universe. So you get to see, like, different areas of the DC universe that you hear about. You know, they'll wind up on Thanagar, Iran, or some other planet that you've, you've heard about. There will be, like, a Krypton reference. And it just brings the whole universe together. It really makes it a shared universe. So you don't like Idris Elba as Jon Stewart? No, I do. I that, think that actually... That profile picture right there, I mean, that looks like... That could be John Stewart. Looks like James Bond. I'm yeah. sorry, I like the idea of him being James Bond, but I'm not he's a, a James gr- Bond fan. But he's got that swagger that um, is he, just fucking cool. He, he's a great actor. Yeah. I just think that it seems like every black character that's out there, that's who they go to. You know, he does a great job with it, so I can't, I can't really fault it. And yeah, if you go to IMDb. Listeners, uh, his his profile picture. He looks like John Stewart. I what movie is that from? That picture. The Losers, ah. which is also a comic book property. I like Michael B. Jordan a lot, but I think he's too young to be John Stewart. Kid from um, Friday Night Lights, from Chronicle. Chronicle, yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked. Uh, yeah, you seem to really be big on him. I thought he was utterly forgettable in Chronicle. Um. Well, he he kind of played white bread in Chronicle. I mean, he was just the he was the jock. Like he didn't have any real interesting backstory to him. Right. But in Friday Night Lights, he was incredible. Okay. For a while there, I was thinking Columbus Short from uh, Stomp the Yard, Scandal, the TV show, also was in Lo- Losers. I thought he was go- was kind of had the look. Not so sure anymore. But uh, for a while, from Stomp the Yard, from Stomp the Yard, his work in Stomp the Yard. 
Is Con- John Stewart going to have to throw down in a, in a dance-off? It convinced me that he could be... He looks pretty serious here, holding the peace in quarantine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, he's almost he's almost too pretty. Idris Elba is a little, little rough it? around the edges. Yeah. I'd like to see Anthony Anderson as John Stewart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His work in Transformers is high quality. So. Uh, I used to hate Anthony Anderson, and he's actually really grown on me. I don't want him to be John Stewart. But I've made my peace with that guy. How amazing would that be if they just thought outside the box and went with that? Just went all comedy. <laughs> space comedy. Alright, so so that's the future of the Green Lantern uh, on, on the silver screen. Who would you pick as a black actor? Well, I really do like Idris Elba a lot. Um, I... I don't know. I don't. I mean, when I said Will Smith, I wasn't serious. Yeah, like you're gonna have to get. They'd have to get someone like Diesel with that gravitas to them if you're playing against Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. Exactly. Yeah. Like I think Don Cheadle would even have a hard time. Don Don Cheadle. He didn't even do. He's a little petite little thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's too skinny. Too skinny. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess Ice T's out. Too gangster. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, um, I hope that, that they give the Green Lantern another shot in the movie world. I would like to see the character done right. Although, I still maintain that the constructs don't translate very well to a movie. I think that, I personally think it should just be beams of energy that come out of these rings. Like they did blasts. in the animated series? Yeah. Yeah, like I don't need to see Hot Wheel tracks and hammers and yeah. baseball bats and crossbows or whatever. Even simple constructs like baseball bats and mallets and things like that, I think those could still work. But it's whenever you have fully functioning weaponry. Like a locomotive. Yeah. Well, I, I see what you're saying, but I still maintain that having something created out of it looks just kind of stupid. Too cartoony. Yeah, it works on a comic book page, but it just doesn't work in a movie. I think. I think it. I think it could if done right. Like the whole, the whole light issue in that Green Lantern movie didn't work. Like I don't think they needed. Even though his suit is is generated by the ring, we didn't need to see light pulsing through it the entire time. Yeah, that was a poor choice. All of the constructs that he made were. Like, they were almost too clear, like, yeah. too see-through. I think mm-hmm. they should have been more solid, like, so that you couldn't see through them. Because, like, how... It, it, it just looked like like mist. It looked like clouds, like green clouds that he was making. It didn't look like he was actually making something solid. Mm-hmm. I think it could be done. I think could it could be. be a good movie. It could be a good franchise. But... I'd also like to see him back home a little bit. Hal Jordan's been off in space doing space shit so long. I need to see some down home. Some some uh, street-level stories <laughs> with Hal Jordan. No, oddly, oddly enough. Never thought you I'd hear you say that. So are you saying that that's your hope for uh, for maybe this year for Green Lantern? In the, oh, com- in um, the comics? I think the... I think... I don't think there's any hope for the comics for at least another year. Really? Yeah, I think they're going to have to get new writers. It's that bad? It's it's pretty rough. When when they put these new writers on it, I was I was 
okay, it looked hopeful, but the further they get into their run, like, the more they keep going further away from what I want from the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, you don't get... There's no downtime. It's just, like, constant, like, people come trying to kill all the Green Lanterns, and there's just constant go, go, go. There's no character development. Like, you don't know who Hal Jordan is now. Like, if someone picked up, I guess it was issue 22, like, the first issue that Jeff Johns didn't write, no one knows who that is. And since then, it's just been one thing after another. You don't get any idea of what he's about, what his relationship is with Carol, what his relationship is with the other Lanterns. Like, and whenever you do get, whenever you do see Hal and Guy talking, it's so quick because all this other shit is happening right on top of them that you don't really get that emotional weight that those characters are capable of giving. It's just like a big summer blockbuster with without any heart and soul to it. Yeah, but even big summer blockbusters like Avengers gave you some really nice Bruce Banner scenes. That's Marvel for you. Delivering on two fronts. Mm-hmm. Well, Ben Steel did it, too. You know, you got some really nice Clark Kent stuff. Sure. But the, the current Green Lantern books right now, I think... I agree with you, disarray. Paul. I think uh, Ian's smarmy response was wrong. It was. I chose I chose to ignore it. Right That's now, fine. Right now, the Green Lanterns aren't allowed to use their powers. They do, but they're draining... The reservoir, and once it's drained, just like spawn, the universe dies. Oh, that's yeah, like so it's like uh, I feel like there's some like they're trying to say recycle. <laughs> You're saying that water. Green Lantern has turned into Captain Planet. Some, I, I feel like the writers are trying to trying to force some ecological message. Really? Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, because they're not allowed to use. They're not allowed to use their powers because it's it's killing the world. But why the fuck yeah. are you interested in the Green Lantern if he can't use those powers? Yeah, yeah. I can see what you're saying. <laughs> are they fighting villains that look like uh, six pack, plastic six-pack holders? <laughs> well, it's, it's ridiculous because the Green Lanterns are like, well, no, no light core can use their powers. So we're going to go make it, we're just going to use our power enough to make everyone else quit using their power. I'm like, guys, if you're killing the universe, you need to quit too. Just stop. Yeah, nobody else can use their power. We're going to listen in to everybody's conversations and read their light ring text messages. It's very contradictory. It feels like, you know, Robert Venditti is trying to, trying to tell us something in the subtext that just isn't. Very interesting. I mean, Lantercore, NSA. Right. So, I hope we get a better Green Lantern in the cinematic universe, and maybe in a year or so, I'll get better Green Lantern in the comics. So, what if what if we keep going down this dark path of sucky Green Lantern for a couple of years? Like, are you still going to hold him as your favorite character, or are you just going to look at that run that you enjoyed, and you're going to say, I love that, but he's not exactly my favorite That character? tattoo that you have can be covered up, so... Well, Don't that's worry. why the tattoo is the Jeff Johns Green Lantern logo. It's not the traditional with the straight bars on the top and bottom. That was by design. Let me see it. Ah, but if... 
you know, I, I just tweeted Ian about it the other day. Like, he hasn't bought Spider-Man. That's his favorite character. So, like, if this gets bad enough, I'd like to think I will have the willpower to not buy Green Lantern. I have faith in you. I hope that you'll be able to do that. I hope so, too. I also hope this new Amazing Spider-Man is good, because I'm going to get it. I'm kind of excited about it. I've never bought single issues of Spider-Man. I'm kind of... I'm ready. I'm ready, Let's too. Let's do it. I'm, I'm ready, ready for some... I want some good... Cons- I want some consistently good comic books. Like, we're getting yeah. them now. Like, Saga's been really good. Animal Man's good, but it's coming to an end. I feel like lately, the last few weeks, of, I've gotten books and I've read all of them and just been like, eh. Yeah. Back in the mid-2000s, I think that it felt like it was a golden era of comic books. And every single week, I thought I was reading some of the best work that I've read in a long time. The writers were all just hitting their stride. doesn't feel like that to me anymore. There's a lot of weird stuff going on and crossovers, convoluted storylines. So I agree. I was pretty um, into the New 52 when that first launched, although I feel like that's kind of dissipating a bit. It has. There's still good shit. You know, Batman. Yeah, there is good mm-hmm. shit. Not everyone's yeah. bad, but I, I, I think... I feel like the majority of stuff I'm getting right now is just in kind of a funk. Yeah. The two things that I... And I probably... I didn't bring this up last week, but the two things that I'm really looking forward to in 2014, uh, comic book-wise... Well, three things. Return of Peter Parker. That's going to be great. Well, at least I hope so. Especially with Humberto Ramos and the artwork. And then... Um, I'm ready for a Shazam comic. I think there will be one this year, correct? Is that right? I don't know. I think there is. And then I do know for sure there is going to be a Silver Surfer comic book. So, um, comic books hopefully will be good to me. And we'll close it out with the Pope for, for the rest of the year. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Cassell. We'll see you next time.